Hi, Suspending the Rules listeners. This is Adam Taylor. In the time between recording this week's episode and publishing it, there's been some news we wanted to make sure we shared with you. Specifically, the House announced that it won't be holding any votes this week, while President George H.W. Bush will be lying in state at the Capitol. Of course, Congress still has to take action to fund government agencies whose funding will expire on Friday of this week. To that end, lawmakers are reportedly planning a two-week continuing resolution to keep those agencies open through December 21st. Presumably, they'll move that CR through unanimous consent. So as you're listening to the show this week, anytime you hear us mention December 7th, just pretend it was December 21st instead. Thanks for listening. Here's the show. Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Hi there. This is Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. It's crunch time on Capitol Hill as funding for about a quarter of the federal government expires Friday and Congress faces a still substantial to-do list before the rapidly approaching end of the year. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Sarah Babbage. Later in this episode, we'll dive into the Farm Bill, the legislation passed once every five years to set policy for the agriculture industry and food programs for low-income families. First, though, let's talk about the status of federal appropriations bills. For those keeping score at home, Congress has finished five of its 12 annual appropriations bills, representing about three quarters of federal spending. For the rest of the government, including the Homeland Security, Interior, Agriculture, and Treasury Departments, as well as independent agencies like the EPA, SEC, and FCC, funding was extended only through December 7th, this Friday. Joining us now to give us the state of play on these outstanding spending bills are Bloomberg Government Budget and Appropriations reporter Jack Fitzpatrick. Thanks, guys. And BGov Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. Thanks for having me. Welcome back, both of you. So before we get started on the spending bills, President George H.W. Bush passed away on Friday at the age of 94, and he'll be lying in state in the Capitol Rotunda this week. Uh, Government agencies are going to be shutting down on Wednesday, and Congress is reportedly making some scheduling changes this week as well. So Lauren, let's start off by talking a little bit about presidential funerals. Can you tell us how a state funeral affects the day-to-day operations of the Capitol? Sure. So each president, after they leave office, makes plans with the military and others for what they want to have happen after they die. So what we're seeing this week is what George H.W. Bush had worked out in advance. So he's having a state funeral with events in Washington, D.C. and back in Houston, Texas, where he's been living. And Texas is obviously where he spent a lot of his life. So what we'll see over the next uh, couple of days is a lying in state in the Capitol Rotunda, where they take out the Lincoln Cattlefact, which is this structure they built when Lincoln's funeral or his lying in state was held back in the 1860s and has been used many times since. They'll pull that out. They'll use that to place his body in the Capitol Rotunda and allow Americans to file past and pay their respects to him. So that's one of the reasons Congress is adjusting its schedule. The Capitol's open 24 hours for people to do this. It creates security and logistical challenges. And then there's also just the propriety of, as we're stepping back to remember this man, not wanting to necessarily get involved in partisan politics for at least a couple of days. Turning to the the immediate agenda item for, for Congress, will these logistical changes have an effect on getting either full 
full year spending bills or a stopgap passed before funding expires on Friday night? Well, we do expect there to be at least a one week pause in that debate because President Trump, when he was flying back from Argentina, said that if the congressional leaders came to him and said, let's extend spending for another week or two because of Bush's funeral, that he'd be willing to hear that out. So we might have delayed this battle for a week or two. I know that's something Jack watches very closely for us every day. Yeah, so the the latest on that is Trump floated the possibility of a two-week CR, which would go to December 21st, if it's exactly two weeks. That doesn't really improve things as far as spending negotiations are going. There's really been no good news as far as the sides coming together on a, a figure for how much money to provide for a border wall. Trump still wants his $5 billion. House Democrats have continued to say they don't support any money. Chuck Schumer in the Senate has said he's okay with $1.6 billion, which was the original budget request, although he seems to be even taking some heat from some of the more liberal faction of Democrats for that. So it, it could be just a delay of this stalemate that lawmakers have found themselves in that gets kicked to actually shortly before Christmas. We've heard for a while now that work has been all but done reconciling at least a few of the outstanding bills. Several of them are packaged in a minibus and almost ready to go. Before the end of the fiscal year, even the Homeland Security bill seems to be the real anchor on, on this effort. And like you said, the border wall funding is is the big thing. I've heard the idea floated of passing the, the six relatively less controversial spending bills and then putting Homeland Security on autopilot for with a one-year continuing resolution. How has that been received and is it a real option? So that's been floated, uh, passing all the other six ones. There are some lawmakers who say we should pass things as quickly as possible and do that four-bill package that we almost had finished before the October 1st deadline. But the big question that's still unanswered for any of those options is, if the president is saying he wants to shut down the government, if he doesn't get his $5 billion, then would he accept a CR for the Homeland Security bill, or would he threaten to veto in a more specific way any other package that they want to pass? And we haven't gotten a clearer answer from him on that other than him continuing to say that he wants $5 billion for the border wall, and he thinks that a shutdown over that issue, putting a spotlight on immigration, would be politically beneficial for him. So it's really the the discussions about those alternative pathways forward seem to get a little more negative as time passes on the Hill as lawmakers say, you know, if we don't come to an agreement on a border wall number, then we could be looking at a shutdown. And are there any sticking points in those other six measures? So a lot of them either are finished or are practically finished. I think no bill is entirely done until it's literally done, but everything except for Homeland and also potentially the financial services bill, all those other ones are 99% done more or less. The financial services bill is what actually held up the four bill package ahead of the first deadline on October 1st because they couldn't agree really to a top-line spending figure. The House bill had a measure by Tom Graves that was basically a savings account, about half a billion dollars, that wouldn't allow the government to spend that money until the deficit is eliminated. Democrats were very opposed to that, saying that that wouldn't make a difference in the long-term debt, and there are better things they can actually spend the money on. Graves dug his heels in. I have not heard of any actual solution to that, although that has not been as contentious as the border wall piece 
case, which really has been the center of, of all of this debate that's holding everything up. Thank you, Jack and Lauren. We'll all be watching this very closely over at BGov. And next up, we'll break down the farm bill negotiations. Lawmakers announced last week that they'd agreed in principle on the broad outlines of the 2018 Farm Bill and are close to wrapping up negotiations on the measure. It would set agriculture and nutrition policy for the next five years. The House and Senate have each passed their own versions of the bill and have been working to reconcile their differences since the end of the fiscal year on September 30th. That's when portions of the last Farm Bill began to expire. Among the contentious proposals to work through were changes the House's bill would make to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as food stamps. There were also significant differences between the two chambers on commodity payments, conservation programs, and environmental rules. Here to talk to us about where things stand is BGov Agriculture reporter Tegan Finn. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. We know that lawmakers have had a little wiggle room with reauthorizing this bill because the first commodity program doesn't expire till the end of December. Where do things stand now with the, the Farm Bill Conference? So it seems as though a final conference report will be released at some point this week. It's unclear if it's going to be earlier in the week or later, but I think that we will definitely see some bill language. And not, I'm not sure if there will be a vote this week. I know there's been talks of a vote in the House and the Senate this week, but it, if things get pushed a little, it would possibly go into next week for a vote. One of the biggest sticking points was around proposed changes to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Can you tell us a little bit more about what those changes were and they ended up with in the final product? Sure. So as we know, the House Farm Bill wanted to add a work training program, a job training program into the SNAP program, and it would tighten some of the work requirements. But I think that Republicans had to realize they didn't have as much leverage this time around, and they had to find a middle ground with this. Senate, and I think that we'll see a little more effort to rein in the the SNAP waivers where states can get waivers for the work requirement part of SNAP recipients' benefits. And I think we'll also see not that much change in terms of the actual work requirements themselves, but I think we'll see more initiatives to rein in the program and to try to track to see who's actually getting the benefits and the different trends in terms of the SNAP community. It sounds like another proposal that is going to be left on the cutting room floor was Senator Chuck Grassley's proposal to further limit payments to certain farmers who are in management roles. I think he refers to them as absentee landlords. Do we know if there will be any commodity program changes in the final bill? Yeah, I I don't know a whole ton about that until the text comes out, but it seems like Chairman Conaway's proposal to allow different family members of farmers to get payments from, to get farm payments, that will be in the bill, that provision, which allows cousins in, in different parts of a farmer family to get payments. So that will be in there. But yes, Senator Chuck Grassley's provision won't be in there. Another difference were uh, how the two chambers approached conservation programs. The House proposed merging two working lands programs into one. Can you tell us a little bit more about what those proposals were and how that all shook out? Yeah, so it seems like uh, Senator Stabenow said last week that the Conservation Stewardship Program and the Environmental Quality Incentives Program will both be in the final farm bill. So that provision in the House will likely not be in there where they try to combine the two. So I think we'll see some efforts to to try to change up the conservation programs, but I think the for the most for the majority of the bill, the programs will stay about the same. Another thing included in the House bill were rollback 
effects of several environmental rules, particularly those related to forest management activities, which is something the Trump administration took a renewed interest in after the deadly California wildfires of the last several years. What's the status uh, on those environmental rules? Yeah, so it seems like there will be some fire management changes in the Farm Bill, but the whole issue was about involving easing the ability of loggers to salvage wood from fire damaged areas. So I think we'll see some more fire management in there. Maybe not the the different proposals from the House bill, but definitely some more focus on actual forestry management. Finally, let's talk about hemp legalization. That's something that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said is going to be in the final conference report, right? Yes, McConnell said it would be in there. And also we confirmed it with Chairman Conaway as well. And was there some opposition to a provision that would ban drug felons from producing hemp? So I know there was a big discussion around this when the actual Senate Farm Bill came out. I'm not sure if that actual provision is in the bill, but I think the majority, I can say the majority of what Mitch McConnell had wanted in his hemp bill is in there. So it's unclear to me if that actual provision is, but it it could be safe to say that most of it is in the final farm bill. And to be clear, we're talking about industrial hemp, not marijuana, the drug. Right, right. We're talking about hemp making it a legal agriculture commodity. So farmers who are um, harvesting hemp for food products or for for clothing, for for clothing, for (laughs) jewelry, jewelry. Yes. For a different amounts of thing will now be allowed to benefit from some of the programs from the USDA, the agriculture department. Thanks, Tegan. Listeners can find her reporting at BGov.com. And that'll do it for this edition of Suspending the Rules. We'll be back with another one for you next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Find out more about the topics we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Daniel Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information can be found at premiumbeat.com.